Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Footy Podcast for yet another week, and a big and controversial week it has been indeed. And guys, I have with us tonight a special crew. Uh, no messenger. Don't know what he's doing. He's in hiding, I think. He's curled up in the fetal position after a, an odd week on the big footy boards. <laughs> but I do have two of our uh, A-team here anyway, and that is uh, Seppo. Good evening. Uh, good evening. And I'm surprised Messenger's not here with Carlton not taking a Friday night time slot and a decent side like his own taken on uh, Richmond. We thought we'd see him out. But uh, alas, he misses out once again. Mm-hmm. He might be a bit worn out after uh, his solo effort last week. And uh, also joining us, Mike from the Western Bulldogs. Good evening, and yes, you know, I'll just uh, I'll just echo Seppo's thoughts there on uh, Messenger. I thought he would have been reveling in the opportunity to uh, base you Wookie uh, on that magnificent victory last Friday night. Uh, I think it was inevitable. I think is the term. <laughs> I don't even think even I was giving us a chance. Uh, it was. What's um... the bet? He didn't even watch it. Oh no! He was there, snugged up in his uh, in his uh, his uh, dressing gown and uh, fluffy slippers and uh, pipe and uh, copy of the Herald Sun. Dear mother, I am sitting here watching Hawthorne <laughs> smash Carlton. <laughs> Where is Shandog when you need a good uh, good imitation of a fifties presenter? But anyway, yes. Where is he indeed, um, guys? You guys obviously weren't here last week, but. Nothing has really happened over the weekend. We need to talk about. Do we can go straight on to the uh, games for the week, can't we? Oh, look, absolutely nothing that <laughs> hasn't been glossed to death in the media and uh, on the board elsewhere. So I'm not sure we probably need to, uh, you know, go over the obvious. It would be remiss of us to uh, completely overlook it, but we aren't going to dwell on it. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to commit a lot of time to it, guys. Booing is it racist or not, Seppo? No, I've uh, taken the viewpoint that if you take the person out of it and just, you know, a bit of just broad statement of in terms of, uh, you know, a, a player, if he does something you dislike from the opposition team, I think every fan has a right to cheer and boo to, uh, you know, show their approval or disapproval of uh, an act on the footy field and or accumulation of acts over a couple of years. And um, I think... This whole uh, booing of goods thing is just blown a bit out of proportion and people just making wild assumptions and painting everyone with the same brush and, and not realising you know, why everyone has a reason for what they do. And, and it's very hard. It's like every you know, tarnishment of a, a character seems to be all just directed towards one thing and it's um, you know, very hard these days to... Um, I suppose even criticise without someone sort of taking it the wrong way out there. So it's um, yeah, it's a tough one. But I, I'm I'm all of a fan of booing. And like I was saying earlier, that you know for what Boomer Harvey did to Crowley and claimed that he pinched him 300 times, he got a fair copping of boos from the Freo fans the week after. So that wasn't racist. So there are particular reasons why people do things and and show their displeasure of a, an opposition player. But you find that after a while, if, if the player's nothing done no more wrong and everyone just moves on and we forget about it mm. Mike booing is it racist or not no the act of booing is not racist um, it's it's a way of people showing their emotion to the game or a player in a particular way in terms of booing Adam Goods look I 
I'm still on the belief that you can't generalise and assume that everyone has the same train of thought and everyone boosts for the same reason. But I do believe that it's it's gone well and truly um, beyond the realm of of novelty, and I think it's time that people move on and let it go. Mm. I, I, I agree with both of you in, in a way. Um... I mean, I've, I've articulated this on the forums, much to my intense uh, sorrow. But, um, yeah, I don't think you can generalise and say that people are booing, therefore they are racist, which is what seems to be the case now. The worst thing is the, the people that are racist, and there are still people out there that are probably using this as an excuse and, and hiding the fact that they are you know, indirectly being racist and trying to cover up saying, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not racist. You know, I'm booing for this reason, but that, that is a big issue. And the, and the people that are doing it, that aren't claiming that it is because of racism and, and they've got their own reasons. It's that's, that stuff's got to be stamped out, but obviously that's up to every individual person and, and decision they're making. I think there's enough education out there that people know what's uh, a racist act these days. That's, that's got to be fixed. I think the other side of it too is that there are an astounding amount of people that don't believe they are racist, but don't actually know how to word it so it's not racist. <laughs> like uh, They don't know how to word their reasoning so that it doesn't come across as racist. I don't think there are, these people are racist, but they, they are coming across as if they are. Well, you know, the other point to that too, Wookie, is um, you go to the game of football and you... I don't think there's a lot of people that boo. There would be a lot of people that boo that follow um, the booing um, just because it's the thing to do. And I don't think, obviously, they don't think or they wouldn't believe it would be a racist section themselves, especially if you've got young children involved or adolescents involved. They're just booing because that's what the crowd's doing. So, again, there's a, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's a whole raft of reasons why people do things and I think yes that some people are guys in the booing as as a, as a remark or a racial taunt but you know I think it's one of those things it's a bit of a Pandora's box here and you know look uh, thinking about it today is I think sort of if I were to put myself in Adam Good's shoes um, yeah look I would be happy with it I think I'd be saying well you know come on guys enough is enough you know um, just let me play my game, let me do my thing. And I think what's going to happen here is that Goods is going to be remembered for all the wrong reasons. You know? yeah. He was a great player, um, you know, pioneer for uh, pioneer for Indigenous strikes in the games. But I, I just don't think this is going to turn out good because on the flip side, um, if all of a sudden people decide to start cheering, it'll be a Bronx cheer and, you know, we're back in the same situation. So, uh, and unfortunately, we, we've gone down that rabbit hole and we're sort of, trying to get out. So, so here's a hypothetical, guys. With um, umpires, it's probably a lot of Freer fans and or any fans out there probably just watched some games on the weekend that probably dished out a bit of uh, booze towards the umpires and their decision. Just imagine a hypothetical that, uh, you know, Indigenous player out of the game or, um, or anyone really steps into the umpiring role. Would all of a sudden, if we started booing the umpire decision, that they'd take that as a, a racist, you know, comment or gesture towards them that you know it's all of a sudden that oh no there's an indigenous person there you can't boo the umpire like it's it's interesting just how you look at you know you sort of take a a position or you take the race into different circumstances of something we're doing already and and all of a sudden it's uh, you know it takes a different view well go back to go back to uh was it glenn james in the 80s famous indigenous first i think our first ever um indigenous umpire in the game uh, it was it is glenn or I can't remember. Yeah, no, I think you're wrong. Yes. Um, 
I don't remember if he was if he was booed. Um, I think from memory, if memory serves me right, I mean he was he was widely he was a widely respected umpire because he was a fair umpire and a consistent umpire, and I think that's what people remember from umpires. If you look at currently today, who gets booed a lot, you get guys like uh, Ray Chamberlain, Razor Ray, who get constantly booed because the crowd perception is that they they just make too many errors or, or you know calls the wrong way. So again, but that's a good point, Sebo. You know, I think we have had in the past with with that sort of uh, umpiring situation with Glenn James, but I just can't recall if, how he was treated by the general public. Uh, just before we move on, and we are going to move on. The, the big footy poll that we started running last night has uh, the large, by far the largest percentage of voting has gone to the fact that he's perceived as making a team game all about himself. Um, that is currently the highest ranked vote there uh, at 39% of the voting. So racism coming in third at the... Well, coming in second at 31. It's, um, it's an interesting poll that is somewhat confusing. <laughs> but nevertheless, we're going to move on. Uh, we don't want to take up all night about it. There's plenty being said elsewhere by experts and former players and coaches and administrators and the Bulldogs and uh, Tigers are apparently wearing their uh, Indigenous round jumpers this week. Um, good for them. Um, I've no strong feelings one way or the other about that. So, Moving along, though, Mike, you're... Uh, you're your president was out last week asking for a, a boutique stadium to be built somewhere for twenty-five to 30,000 people. What do you make of that? Uh, look, I can see where he's coming from, but where do you build it? And this is the thing, is, is who's going to sink the money into it? I, I just think once the AFL can get over the Eddie Had deal, um, and when does the AFL take over Eddie Had Stadium? Is that then planned? That it's, AFL it's 2025 rights? at the moment. So, you know, honestly, by the time the AFL looks at doing feasibility studies and plans and, you know, goes to councils and works out where they're going to build the stadium, they'll have full control over it. Ahead. So I don't really think it's something really worthwhile in doing. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, there's any merit in the stadium at all. No. I, I think the by the time it's built, and like you say, by the time the planning's done and all the building's done and all the arrangements are in place, it's going to be 2025 anyway. So. <laughs> and the AFL is not going to be wanting games to be taken away from Docklands, and an AFL club shouldn't want to either because mm. the more games that are played at Eddie Head Stadium, the more money they get from it. So, and, it's, you know, it'll probably end up being another Eddie Head deal and then the player, then you know, we'll be in the same situation. So I think just leave it as it is. Let, let the Eddie Head deal run its course and, yeah. you know, just make the most out of what we can now. I suppose when you look at the uh, the reason why it came up is the uh, possibility that the Bulldogs are looking at relocating the Frio game there while the uh, stadium was potentially going to be occupied by the A-League at that point in time. And I think they were saying that this boutique stadium could work where you've got a lower drawing interstate club to a, a smaller drawing Victorian club. So potentially it could work for the Bulldogs and a Frio where we probably don't have the bigger numbers yet in, in Victoria. But just imagine a couple of years' time and things change and all of a sudden that 25K, if the you know, Bulldogs and Frio are both you know playing top four footy, 
maybe that penciled in uh, you know game at that stadium might just not work anymore. But I suppose it will for for some of the smaller clubs, and I can't imagine the the numbers of a GWS or Gold Coast or or even Brisbane uh, these this going rate. Uh, they're drawing huge crowds down in uh, Victoria for some of those smaller clubs like Bulldogs and, and Saints and and North at the moment. Well, for any for any such deal or arrangement with sending a brand new stadium, you've got, you've got to look at the overall profitability and cost to do that and, and where existing teams are going to subscribe to playing because if the only return you're going to get out of that investment is going to be a couple of games through the year, maybe two or three games, it's not worth it. It is really not worth it. It's money that could be better spent elsewhere by the AFL. So I think the AFL should probably look at um, existing arrangements where existing grounds are used. So currently they're, you know, we're talking about uh, Simmons Stadium and wherever Cryo Bay, wherever it is these days. Um, sorry, Geelong fans. Um, you know, the MCG already had stadium to look at what we can do with those venues to make them available to clubs. So for, for example, Simmons, um, you know, may be available to the Western Bulldogs to host a home game there. You know, the, I think the AFL should be thinking in those lines and looking around those particular options rather than swaying to the idea of, you know, building a boutique stadium for the sake of one or two clubs that might only use it two or three times a year. I just don't think it's got any legs at all. Mm. I, I see no re- no commercial reason why the AFL would build it. Um, there's, there's literally nothing in it for the AFL, uh, given that in nine years' time they get another stadium. They're not going to go into debt to build another one. No one else is going to build them one. There's no interest from the government as far as I know. Uh, to build it, that, not, not when they're doing Junction Oval at the moment. There's, there's just no interest. Yeah, I think they've done enough work around Etihad now. When you actually work around that whole precinct and what they're doing to that part of the city, it's actually um, turning out to be not a little uh, bad area. It's obviously the ownership's the uh, the big thing, but that in terms of the stadium itself is not that bad at all. So in a couple of years' time, you know, it can develop into something quite nice as in terms of a, a football stadium. Look, we just have to have some faith that, you know, the AFL has learnt something from the Etihad deal of, of you know, um, and, and doesn't repeat that mistake in the future again with whatever deals they, with whatever deals they make up. Because we, I think we've got to remember that, what is it, 2034, the uh, agreement with the MCC expires. So, you know, they've got to look at a whole new arrangement with the MCC in terms of games and final scheduling and the grand final. And this goes back to another... Um, thread on the board, main board about you know the interstate grand final s- scenario situation for our West Coast, West Coast. Why can't we play to the state? So yeah. the MCC thing's a funny one because the deal ends in two thousand and forty-two at the moment, um, and the grand finals have to be played there until two thousand forty-two. The, uh, the uh, Victorian government won't even allow the finals to be bought out. The AFL's made the offer before because the Victorian government believes that it makes more in tourism and attention on the state than it does if by paying out, you know, by allowing the AFL to buy out, like compensate them for the grand final being moved elsewhere. So it's not going to happen before 2042. <laughs> no. But those, the... I mean, look to those people who, who argue, well, you know, 2005, 2006 grand finals were were uh, Sydney and West Coast, and then you had uh, 2004, which was which was Port and Brisbane, all played at the MCG, so, you know. I, I, I don't see a rush being done there. But the other thing as well is that sometime between now and 2042, the Southern Stand is going to need to be rebuilt. Um, it'll be 60 years old by the time 2042 rolls around, and these things generally last about 20 to 30 years now. 
and to, now that you brought that up, that was another interesting point too that I that I did some research on during the week is that the funding of the uh, Southern Stand was also rolled into the agreement between the MCC and the AFL. And that's what um, I'm getting at now. If, yeah. if, if they re- and so was the Northern Stand. So the Northern Stand was primarily built uh, as part of the 2009, nego- well, not 2009, the 2002 negotiations with the AFL. And the Southern Stand was built as part of the deal to keep the grand final at the MCG in the 80s. Mm. Now, if the Southern Stand has to be rebuilt again in, in 20 years' time, and the deal, the, the deal with the MCC is still going, I would put dollars to donuts that that deal gets extended. Um, the other issue with it is is that the AFL will, uh, from 2025, start moving games that fit inside the 55,000-seat capacity from the MCG to Docklands, which is going to be interesting from a club perspective, um, given the size of it means that seating reservations and everything as we know it now will change. There's going to be a lot of games that fit in between that 30 to 50,000 bracket at the MCG at the moment that are going to move and still meet the MCG contract. We only have to have a million and a half people there a year under the current deal and we well and truly beat that. So it's going to be fun. It'll be fun when that comes up for negotiation because that will happen in the next 20 years. The Southern Stand, they were worried would have to be rebuilt sooner but they've done some upgrades to it recently so it'll uh, it'll be interesting. They don't make stadiums like they used to. Where you know the old the old northern stand stood for like fifty years, so <laughs> it's uh, it's, a, it's yeah. a you know the southern stand had to be pulled down for concrete cancer and stuff. So anyway, we'll see how we go. Um, moving along and proving we're not Victorian focused. Seppo, the Frio uh, set up at Cockburn, as Messenger refers to it, is uh, <laughs> is going ahead. One hundred and twenty million dollar plan out there. Yeah, one of the biggest sort of investments they've made in football in WA recently, and it's uh, yeah, their elite training facilities at Coburn, as it's pronounced, is um, yeah, it's good news for um, the, the Freo Football Club in terms of getting something upgraded because I reckon our facilities at the Freo Football Club that we uh, share with South Fremantle there in the heart of Freo is just probably well. Not the worst in the league because I've seen what the Gold Coast operating out of, but yes. in terms of facilities, is is going to be a well deserved uh, upgrade on, you know, what they've been saving up for trying to achieve, and it's quite big when you look at it and all, all the concept plans and drawings I've seen to have a little like water park and aquatic recreation centre there for the public to use as well, and, and the big ovals that the guys will have to train is is going to be good. So it actually sort of builds into the community, a true community yeah. facility, unlike other quote-unquote community facilities. Yeah. <laughs> um, West Coast facility at Lafayne Park is currently in the planning, apparently. Uh, that's only going to be worth $60 million, apparently. So, uh, And largely funded by West Coast, whereas the Frio one is apparently largely by the state and federal government. So, mm. Well, it's, it's no surprise that West Coast has been running at quite a, quite a surplus over the last few years, so they're quite a profitable club. That forty million in the bank doesn't hurt either. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely not. On on Gold Coast facilities, their facilities are getting an upgrade in two thousand. Well, for the two thousand and eighteen Commonwealth Games, which uh, Metricon Stadium will be the main stadium during that period uh, for the Gold Coast uh, Commonwealth Games, and then after that, they get their uh, facilities back. So they won't be able to use Metricon during the Gold Coast Games, though. So. 
So it's part of the deal. The stadium gets extended out to 40,000 seats temporarily. Uh, new facilities are built. Uh, new training facilities will be built for the Suns and the, the, the games. So they'll get out of their portables eventually, <laughs> which um, they, they would be the last team in the league still using portables, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, it's shocking conditions. It, it, it is. No wonder Ablett's hurt himself. <laughs> well, no wonder he's taking so long to come back. I mean, yeah. And, and he's pr- he pretty much proved that he took enough time to come back to get himself fit. So you've got to stand by that decision. Guys, um, did you have anything that you wanted to talk about that I haven't brought up so far? No, not besides the uh, forthcoming games, though. Yeah, just uh, quickly again, the Magpies have had two players that have formally been uh, given infraction notices by SADA. And the AFL, or specifically by the AFL, because the AFL gives out the infraction notices, and there are now uh, they're now working. Uh, that's uh, Lockie Keefe and Josh Thomas, and their hearing dates have yet to be set. So they are both players. B samples came back positive after tests on April the fourteenth. Uh, their A samples tested positive on February the tenth. So there's no mucking around here. There's no ambiguity. Um, this will go straight to a hearing and they're probably going to get a year or two off the game. Two years, I read. Two yeah, years. That's minimum. Minimum. For a, well, posi- for a positive test, so. Yeah. Look, I think AFL's dealing with this as quick as they can in light of, you know, what's been going on elsewhere with, with other uh, situations. So, you know, I, I expect that the AFL's going to crack down hard on anything to now and in the future that arises in these sort of cases. Did I, did I see Fife isn't playing this week? Uh, or was that yeah, last? he's um, he, he's he's resting, but it's down as a groin. Yet he's still probably carrying the knock that Mister Selfish Sam Mitchell probably got into him a couple of weeks ago. So, so a rest for him. He, he probably could play, but they're obviously just taking this as a, a time out and get him right for the following week. Okay. Just uh, the Suns have reinstated Jared Garlett to the senior list from the long-term injury list, um, and that's about it. I'm not sure if there are milestone games this week, but I'm sure we'll get to them in a moment. The ladder, as it stands currently, uh, no, no massive changes there. I don't think Frio still on top, again clear of the West Coast Eagles, so the WA side's still in charge of the league at the moment. Uh, Freo at 16 and 14, West Coast 16 and 13. West Coast with a vastly greater percentage though, so Freo wouldn't want to be dropping off too much. Seppo? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawthorne, uh, uh, 12 and 4, and they've got a huge percentage as a result of the weekend. And they've got another game against Carlton in round 23, so um, again, the, the West Australian sides would want to be watching that. There's uh, two games separate Frio from Hawthorne, though, so Frio should fairly uh, should be fairly comfortable in the top two at least. So the Swans coming in fourth at the moment, eleven and five, with uh, a fairly low percentage show for that. Richmond below them on ten and six. The Bulldogs ten and six. Mike uh, having a good year. Look, having a, a good year in contrast, let's go back nine months and I don't think anyone would have predicted the dogs to be where they are now. I think most people are riding off the dogs as a bottom two finisher. Adelaide, nine and six. Uh, North Melbourne, nine and seven. GWS, nine and seven. 
Um, Geelong, 8 and 7. Uh, North Melbourne rounding out the top eight there. GWS, 9th. Geelong, 10th. Uh, Collingwood, uh, 8 and 8. And then everyone else has lost more games than they've won. So <laughs> it's uh, Port Adelaide, St Kilda, Essendon, Melbourne, Carlton, Gold Coast and Brisbane. I would suggest anyone below Collingwood is pretty much out of the running now. Mm. And you think if Collingwood lose their next, it's all over for them. It's going to be very hard for them. Mm. Yeah. So I know they're playing Melbourne this week, but gee, if they lost that, yeah, the eight's done. I think it's going to be hard with uh, obviously the points shared between Adelaide and Geelong. It just makes that harder. It's that extra game you need around two sides fighting for that position around the eight, and they're both around it. It's going to be a uh, very hard for a team like just looking at Collingwood. They're sitting eight and eight. You could say they're even, but they're sitting eleventh. You know, two games, three games outside of the eight. So That's right. you need plenty of wins to get inside the eight this year. And it's going to be quite interesting just mm. to see, out of all those teams you mentioned, Adelaide North, GWS, Geelong, who the uh, final teams that do make it in. But it's going to be very hard for Collingwood and you'd think Port are pretty much done now. Yeah. I think 12, 12 is going to be uh, a bare minimum to get in the eights this year. So Yeah. Josh Kennedy uh, leads the race for the Coleman. At the moment, on 56 goals, Jeremy Cameron on 44, Franklin on 42, Rewalt 42. Eddie Betts uh, having a stellar year at Adelaide on 41. Uh, Josh Bruce at the Saints, 41. Luke Bruce, uh, Chad Wingard, and Jack Gunston, Taylor Walker coming in 10th with, for Adelaide there on 37. So it uh, looks like uh, Josh Kennedy will wrap up the Coleman, I would suggest, probably at around 70-odd goals. 80 goals, maybe. Gone are the days of the 100 goals, and yeah. we're, we're ruining the opportunity to uh, run out in the field now. So maybe Matt, they have to create something new that every time someone gets to uh, 50 goals in the season, they run out there. <laughs> seems to be the normal. You, you get the half Coleman. That's what Give you something. You know, if it's going to be for the fans this year, they've really got to... Yeah, the half Coleman. <laughs> uh, Matt Prittis leading disposals for the league on 483. Daniel Hanabry, Andrew Gaff following him. Uh, David Armitage, Nat Fife, uh, Josh uh, Kennedy from the Swans, Sam Mitchell, Scott Pendlebury, Dane Swan, and Chris Masden, and most of those players from the West Co- uh, from West Coast, Sydney, Hawthorne, Frio, or uh, Collingwood, really. So, I think six of the top ten are from the top three sides, which is fairly reflective of where those teams are at. And into this week's round. Uh, we're in round 18, and Friday night, guys, Hawthorne have got Richmond at the MCG. Uh, this game is nationally televised. Guys, what do we think? Uh, look, I, I thought, I thought, you know, I did, I, I'm stressing thought that this could be an interesting game, but, you know, if you, if you go by the book as well, you might as well just hand Hawthorne the cup tomorrow because apparently they're already paying out on Hawthorne winning the premiership. That's right, but, someone has already paid out on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that could end up being a, 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 a massive moment on Hawthorne and, uh, and, and stuff them up, but I don't think I can see Richmond uh, winning this game tomorrow night. Yeah, last time they played uh, in 2014, they seem to only play one game a year. Uh, in round six last year, Hawthorne 118, defeated Richmond uh, 52 at the MCG. So it's, um, let's see who's in for the Hawks. Ben Straight and James Frawley, Liam Shields and Taylor Durea. 
come in and out. Jonathan O'Rourke has been admitted. Angus Littlund has been admitted. Matthew Suckling has a hamstring. And Matt Spanger has a hamstring. While for Richmond, Ty Vickery and Reese Conkey come in. Shaon Hampson has been dropped with an ankle injury. And Ben Griffiths with a finger injury. So... Fun. It's not out of the world realms for uh, Richmond to beat Hawks. You know, if if they're on 100%, I don't know, they uh, probably miss some opportunities against Freo. But if Hawks have a game like they did, I know they were probably missing a few when they lost to GWS earlier in the year and, and the Bombers. But Richmond are a side that's capable of playing some quick footy to, to beat the Hawks. And they do probably have a couple of uh, issues down back um, that they can, Richmond might expose them. I don't know if their changes really suit going into this game, but it's um, yeah, it's not an easy win for the Hawks, I think. I don't think they'll be flogging them, although you never know which Richmond would rock up. Look, Hawthorne beat, what, Frio and... and uh, Sydney. Sydney by 10 goals? Yep. So, I don't think uh, Richmond are playing good enough footy to be anywhere near that mark, to be honest. You'll be surprised. Um, Saturday afternoon, Geelong have a chance to make up some ground on the 8 here at least in terms of percentage, if nothing else. Uh, they've got Brisbane at Cadinia Park, or Simmons Stadium. It's 10th versus 18th in a blockbuster battle. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't build it up. But uh, the Lions are at $7 for this. So uh, in for the Cats, Nakia Cockatoo gets a run uh, out. Corey Gregson, who has been managed, apparently. It's, it literally says managed. So he doesn't need a break. They're just giving him a day off. So they're tanking. They're, they're tanking in a small start <laughs> form. <laughs> being managed. In for the Lions, Dane Beans, Jonathan Freeman, and Pierce Handley. Uh, out Hugh Beasley uh, and Brent Staker. Both have been admitted. And James Aish has a hand injury, presumably from shaking too many of them with other clubs. Um, what do we think about this one, guys? Nothing at all. It doesn't excite anyone. <laughs> Geelong win. Look, I think it's probably a foregone collision, isn't it, Geelong? Yeah. I mean, you can be surprised, but I don't think this is going to be one of those games that's surprised, to be honest. <laughs> so we'll move along to the next game. Saturday at the MCG, uh, Collingwood play Melbourne in a rare return game, I think. So it's not often they get two games in the season. Uh, last time they played, of course, Queen's birthday, Collingwood uh, beat Melbourne by 25 points. In for the Pies, Paul Seedsman, Sam Dwyer, Jamie Elliott and Taylor Adams. It's not, not bad. Out Jared Blair, Ben Kennedy uh, Je- and Jesse White, all omitted. And Adam Oxley is being rested. Literally. It's interesting. Uh, Oxley interesting. was the one last time that uh, he tore apart Melbourne, I believe. He... He had some type of ridiculous number of uh, disposals and intercept marks, and he had an absolute cracking game, and he's probably dropped off a bit since the start of the year, Oxley. It literally uh, says rest last week he, uh, he had a very, very ordinary game. Uh, in for Melbourne, Alex Neil Bullen, and out Billy Stretch has been admitted. So, who's going to win yours? I would, not, uh, I, I would not be chalking down Collingwood for an easy win. You, you look at... <laughs> Well, you know, they're playing a young side now. They, they've lost their last seven games. Given the the uh, Paul Ruse slash Brennan McCartney one-on-one stoppage base football all over the ground, I think Melbourne could be up for a surprise here. I think this is the surprise game. 
I honestly do. I, Collingwood, they just, I don't know if where their confidence is, but they just can't win games at the moment. Mm. Uh, I think this could be uh, this could be a bit of an upset here for the D's. Uh, Saturday, well, late Saturday afternoon at the SCG, the Swans have got Adelaide at the SCG, obviously, um, which I already said. But uh, in for the Swans, Ted Richards, Lance Franklin, Ben McGuinn, Kurt Tippett, so bringing all the guns in. Uh, out, Xavier Richards, Adam Goods on personal leave, Mike Pike with a knee injury, and Zach Jones has been omitted in for the Crows. Daniel Talia and Jared Lyons out, Rory Atkins and Sam Shaw both have been omitted. Rory Laird plays his 50th, and Taylor Walker will play his 100th for Adelaide. Guys, Swans win for this, or is it not as foregone as that? No, I said the SCG, so you go Swans just, but I think Adelaide are just starting to get a bit better from uh, their early season slump, so I'm going to have to go Swans at a home game, and yeah, it's, it's not going to be a blowout. I don't know. I, I could actually see Adelaide winning this one. I just had a funny feeling about them. I think Talia back is going to be crucial for them. Just, uh, I, think, um, I think the Swans will win this one fairly easily in the end. Uh, Saturday night, the game messenger is looking forward to at home. He'll be setting his DVR for it. He'll be putting out the Bonox. He'll be, you know, <laughs> warming his toes by the fire. It's Saturday night TV on Channel 7. It's Carlton versus North Melbourne. In the match of the round, in for messenger at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you love rubbing in, don't you? <laughs> I do, I do. Especially when my team is just rubbish. It's the only highlight I can get out of it. Uh, in for the Blues, Troy Menzel, Andrew Carazzo, Clem Smith and Cameron Wood. But let's face it, they could probably bring in Batman. It wouldn't make a hell of a lot of difference. <laughs> Brad Walsh has been admitted. Nick Holman is suspended. <laughs> Blaine Johnson has been admitted. And Liam Jones, surprise, 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 has been admitted again. North Melbourne have made no change. They're that confident. And Jared Waite plays his 200th game, many of which were for the Navy Blues. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I found out the other day that I got an invitation through work to go to the corporate box and uh, watch a, a game of football on Saturday night, and <laughs> I got all excited, and, and then I, I saw on the printed tickets it was uh, Carlton North Melbourne, and uh, at, uh, at, you, at any you win some, you lose some. <laughs> you're washing your hair, aren't you, Seppo? Yeah. You're going to go anyway, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to go. It's we'll not every day you get an invite to the corporate box. <laughs> <laughs> Just for one night, he's going to be one of the 1%. So. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night as well, Gold Coast versus uh, West Coast on Metricon Stadium. So, be interesting. Uh, Adam Saad, Jared Harborough, Jack Martin, Tom Nichols all in for the Suns. Out. Zach Smith has been omitted. Gary Ablett is not going to be playing. He's got a bit of a knee injury. Michael Riscatelli has some personal reasons for not playing. And Alex Sexton... Uh, has a knee injury in for the West Coast. Nobody, apparently. And Tom Barras will play his first game, according to the AFL. But uh, I think he's been the sub in another game, so I'm not sure whether the AFL counts that, which is interesting. Because it's not the first time I've seen him put that on a list where uh, a player has already been uh, sub in another game. Yeah, figure. Who's going to win, guys? West Coast, you, you think without Appler, even at the home deck, you, you'd think they'd be uh, 
performing the way they do, they should uh, absolutely pants Gold Coast. But gee, I would, <laughs> I'd love it if uh, Suns could get a bit of an upset, and I don't know if the conditions or something bring the West Coast down to their level. But um, I think Harley Bunnell is going to be uh, dying to get back out there and play some good footy. I think, um, but I think, I think with that other omissions from the Sun side, it's going to be hard for them. Yeah, I think no Ablett, no Zach Smith, I don't think they can do this. No. And Rescatelli's been good for them, so mm. there's another big loss. Who's, who's rucking Tom Nichols? He, he missed last week, I think, so might be a bit underdone against uh, the Eagles ruckman as well, so. Moving along to Sunday's games, and Port Adelaide have got St Kilda at Adelaide Oval on Sunday afternoon at 12.40. This is 12th versus 13th. I don't think either side is really in the running uh, or will affect the finals here. But in for Port Adelaide, Jasper Pittard, Tom Jonas and Sam Gray. No outs at the moment. Uh, and in for the Saints, Tom Hickey, Sebastian Ross, Tim Membry, Nathan Wright, Daniel McKenzie and Cameron Shenton. Out for the Saints will be Nick Rewalt, who has some calf soreness. Jack Loney, who it just says is being rested. And Sam Gilbert has a groin injury. Um, guys, who's going to win? This think... is a hard one to predict. No Rewalt for mine means Port probably going to win this. I think uh, Port by about three goals will win this game. Mm-hmm. It's probably a more exciting prospect. When you, when you look at the... Uh... The other game on, uh, on Saturday with Geelong and Brisbane, if you had a choice of watching Geelong or Brisbane or Port or Saints, you, you think you take the Port Saints game every day of the week. And, you know, considering even just their ladder positions, you know, they're a bit lower down. There's nothing to play for. But I think at least Port or Saints, or if you watch most of their games this year, they've been, you know, high scoring, free flowing, and, and probably decent to watch. But you think Port and their home deck and Saints without a player or two might be uh, the difference here. So I think Port in a narrow win. On to the other game for Sunday afternoon, and it's Essendon versus the Bulldogs, Mike. Uh, game at Etihad Stadium there. Um, where are we? In for the Bombers, and we've got Jake Carlisle, Jake Melsham, Adam Cooney, and Jonathan Guile. So Essendon finally deciding to play a recognised Ruckman. Um, Sean McKernan has been omitted. Um, Giles playing his first game for the Bombers, apparently. Uh, in for the Bulldogs, Tom Boyd, Sam Darley, and Jin Long, or Lin Jong, sorry. Anyway, no outs for the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> no outs for the Bulldogs at this no, point. No, Kim Il Jong, no. Um, Mike, how are they going to go? I, I, I got a reasonable feeling that I think the dogs are going to uh, be over the top of us in this one. It won't be a whitewash, but it'll be comfortable from about 26 to 30 points. Um, Essendon's, mid- Essendon's midfield, look, uh, young Dyson Peppel there has been struggling this year. Um, I thought that uh, Heath Hocking would be in this week, but he's not. Um, and their defence hasn't been too good either. So... Bulldogs, on the other hand, they are ranked fourth in the league for forward 50 entries. Um, they just need to convert more of those. But I think overall their possession, their, their, their possession football, um, the way they move all the speed this year, I think they'll be uh, too much for us in this Sunday. Mm. Yeah, no, I think the Bulldogs... Oh, I, think, I think Essendon are probably missing a bit too much now and they've just sort of fallen away from every sort of decent side they have and, and if Bulldogs are really going to establish themselves as a, a top eight side this is the game they should absolutely flog Essendon 
And um, it's been a while since I was just having a look at the last four times. Essendon have had the wood over the Bulldogs recently, but I think this is where it changes. Yeah, the last five games Essendon have won. So we S- Dogs haven't beaten Essendon since uh, 2010. Uh, well, that's that's a pretty hike. <laughs> uh, the last game of the round, Fremantle GWS on Saturday, well, Saturday evening, Melbourne time, Saturday afternoon, Perth time. Um, first versus ninth, theoretically one of the games of the round. Uh Dockers versus GWS, Seppo. What are, what are we looking forward to here? Oh, we just try to make it in- interesting with uh, Fife out, just to level the playing field a bit. And uh, we, we've lost another two in the side, obviously, to finalise the squad for the Sunday game later on. But it's quite interesting because they've actually named in the inclusions three of our young um, draftees from last year that everyone's been dying to get a game. They've been performing well for Peel, so... Everyone's been dying for Ross Lyon to play some youth and all of a sudden we've got three named all in the one week. So I don't know how many you're going to go with in the final sod, but I think we'll at least see one of these young young guns. And if you get a chance to see any of these young guys play, all, all three of them are going to be, as this messenger says, elite guns. All right, so in for Fremantle, Zach Dawson, Zach Clark, Lockie Weller, Ed Langdon, uh, Connor Blakely and Tendine Mazungu uh, out for Fremantle, Matt Taberner has been admitted. Nat Fife has a groin injury. Clancy Pierce has been admitted. Obviously, the new players there: Lockie Weller, Ed Langdon, and Connor Blakely, who, as Seppo says, he rates highly in their prospects of being professional footballers. For the Giants, in Nathan Wilson, Andrew Phillips, Phil Davis, James Stewart, Matt Bunteen, and Will Hoskin Elliott out. Uh, will be Devin Smith with a knee injury, Zach Williams with a hamstring, and Nick Haynes with a groin. Mike, your your uh, your unbiased opinion of the Giants' chances? Um, look, uh, I think they'll be close for a while, but I think Fremantle will run over them in the end. Mm. The, the, the number of young people that are actually named concerns me a little bit, um, but I still think Fremantle are going to run out, but it'll be a relatively close game up until about three-quarter time. Well, I can't. I, I can't hear Ross Lyon want, wanting to tank and risk players just yet, because again, you know, it's it, the possibility is they can lose a game. Um, they don't want to start losing too many games at this stage. We're, we're going to say that for the St Kilda game later on that we always seem to do. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> when it Still means another couple of weeks time. <laughs> exactly. Just games to look forward to next week: um, Adelaide Richmond Friday night. Collingwood Carlton for the traditionalists on Saturday afternoon. West Bull- Coast Hawthorne. Bulldogs and Port for Mike. Yeah, uh, Geelong Sydney in past days would have been one to have a look for. I'm not so sure where it's going to be this year. West Coast Hawthorne, the big one on Saturday night. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that's the televised game <laughs> either, which will um, infuriate many people. And. We're looking at uh, Fremantle got GWS. Oh, no, that's this week. What am I talking about? Frio St Kilda. There you go. Frio St Kilda. So, in Melbourne. So, lots of players to be rested there. The Peel Thunder are going to get a game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> GWS have got the Bombers. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag of uh, matches, really. And then, of course, the week after that, the Swans have got Collingwood. Uh, what are you, what are you Fremantle West Coast is the big one there. 
uh, in round 20, well, in round 20, it is, <laughs> the uh, Western Derby on Sunday afternoon in Perth. Or Derby, if you were from West Australia. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're uncultured heathens, so. Mm. What are you looking forward to this week, guys? Consistent umpiring. Oh, I think after last week, and I know other stories have uh, overshadowed the media news this week, but I think when you look at the uh, condition, I think just after the, the, the games, I think the, the Port-Essendon game and the Freo richmond one were probably the two worst officiated games that I've seen all year. Um, and even some other ones, I've had to think back a couple of years to, to almost have you know, sitting at home and throwing your remote at TV or your boot or your shoe, whatever you've got, or your cat. As some people uh, mentioned on the forum, they were uh, throwing objects around at the umpiring. I think it, they're going to relax it a bit and um, all those smaller ones go. So I'm looking forward to this weekend, uh, a full swing in the pendulum, the opposite direction of from an over-officiated over game to one where they just let it go and then people complain about there's not enough free kicks being paid. <laughs> it's just one or the other, isn't it? Yep. You know, the worst thing I found about last weekend's game, and, and I saw it more in the Dogs-Collingwood uh, game, was the amount of umpires second-guessing themselves, calling a decision, then calling for a video uh, a video check or a video replay or, you know, calling for the third umpire to adjudicate their last decision. You make a decision, you call it, you stick with it right or wrong. Yeah, but that's what video, uh, video refereeing did the same thing in uh, the cricket. Umpires just stopped calling things. Mm. And yeah, I know there were there were calls where the umpire made a clear call, and then about five seconds later or ten seconds later, he'd stop and then call for the third umpire. Yeah, no, to review that decision. History history shows that the umpires, when they've got a backup, will always go the backup because it takes the responsibility away from them in the end. But that's that. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, the Carlton Cheer Squad says hi to Messenger. Um, we look forward to seeing you on Saturday night watching uh, the games on TV. Thank you very much to everyone that listened. Thank you to everyone that participated in the poll on uh, Adam Good's thread. Um, I was going to make it a separate thread until I wisely thought otherwise. <laughs> um, but thank you very much to everyone that contributed there. And we look forward to everyone enjoying their footy on the weekend. And we'll see you all on the forums.